Hello and welcome to Dvorak Horowitz Unplugged, an hour-long discussion of activity in the financial markets around the world featuring columnist John C. Dvorak and money manager Andrew Horowitz. This conversation is casual and unrehearsed. Let's join John and Andrew now. I'm John C. Dvorak. And I'm Andrew Horowitz. And it's the 30th of January, fifth show of the month. A real bargain for anyone who's... uh, Keeping track. Who's counting and scoring? Speaking about scoring and counting, did you watch the games over the weekend? Of course. And did you? What did you think? Uh, well, I I knew that uh, I I knew that uh, Baltimore would lose because I hate to say it, no one wants to bring it up. Oh, but uh, Lamar Jackson is a choke artist, and he's shown it in the past. And in the big games, and I, the thing is, until he stops being one, he's always going to be one. So I expected that outcome to go the way it went. I did not expect the Detroit team to run all over San Francisco for a whole half. The whole half. The first half. half. It was like, oh, well, that's kind of interesting, but okay. Every time they got the ball, they just run it down their throats in San Francisco. It took him. I guess they just had to wake up or something. I don't know what what the problem was, but uh, I expected them to win. They did. So I, I everybody got one. And the irony, if for people out there, is that the the two teams are going to be playing uh, in Las Vegas at the Raiders Stadium, and those two teams are the teams that the Raiders hate the most, and both of them are there playing against each other. You know, I think. The other irony is that one quarterback has a, what, a $25 million a year contract? Yeah, and the other one's getting minimum wage. Like 900000 Yeah. For, well, well, he picked up some, uh, luckily, yeah, Purdy picked up some uh, endorsement deal, so he's probably, so he's made a couple of extra million doing I mean, that. But the, my, the, my favorite play of the entire weekend was... The I know Lamar, exactly which one yeah, it is. The Lamar Jackson... Self-catch. Oh, no, I thought, that, okay, that is one of the, I would say that's a great, great play because he made so many yards. But I still think the one there where the ball bounced off the guy's head oh, yeah. <laughs> and then was picked up by Ayub, uh reminded me just, and I'm surprised nobody referenced it in the sports talks, is when Jose Canseco years ago was going back for a deep fly to center field and he had it, and the ball bounced off the top of his head into the stands for a home run. <laughs> Good Jose Canseco. Big guy. He was, ooh, what's over there? Big guy, Jose yeah. Canseco. Big guy. Okay, so that out of the way. Uh, and uh, fortunately, one of the things that I wrote down here was jury duty, but it seems I had the date wrong. I actually have to call in tomorrow. So that's put aside till tomorrow at least. So let's get into some of the things that are happening. We have a big week, big week, very large, oversized, humongous, gigantic week for economics. We have, well, we had already the Case-Shiller numbers. We had the the uh, consumer confidence numbers today, all looking like, wow, that's good. You know, again, we talk about this landing thing, right? The, the hard landing, the soft landing. Soft landing. There's no landing. There's no landing. The plane is not landing. It's just still going. It, it, it doesn't have to be refilled. It just keeps on cruising. Must be electric. Yeah, it just keeps going. It's got a long, long extension cord on it. And we see that 
on tomorrow, Wednesday, as you're listening to this, probably many people. At 2 p.m., we have the Fed coming out with their rate decision and then follow-up commentary. What's, two what's the word on the street about that? So where are we? And this is January. There was never an expectation for January to have a rate cut. The rate cuts were going to start somewhere around March and somehow be about seven rate cuts. This is the, this is the end of last year. The odds were that there was going to be seven rate cuts throughout 2024. And I said the whole time, nonsense. That it's just, that's not happening. But that's what really drove the markets and got everybody very excited. And what happened was the movement of, this is pre-AI. Everybody got really totally excited about the idea that the Fed is going to cut rates. And there's going to be a lot of them. And when we go forward and see all the different numbers, the GDP number from last week, the uh, the PCE numbers that we saw on Friday, the uh, continuing claims numbers, the initial claims numbers, the unemployment rate, the uh, consumer confidence housing numbers, all these things tell me that it's, it's, it's highly improbable that we're going to see a rate cut in March. That's the yeah. expectation. Yeah, I, I have to agree. As a matter of fact, I don't see anything till. I think the market has talked themselves into the idea there's going to be a rate cut and they can't get themselves off that stand. Yeah, there's no, re there's absolutely zero reason for one. There's no reason. If the markets can, if we're in such a tight environment that is squeezing everything and you have the stock market at all time highs, plus all the other evidence I just provided you, that's telling me that the, that, that the rates are not restrictive enough to slow down the economy. Yeah, they should actually have a rate increase. Correct. Which isn't going to happen because it would freak everybody out. Well, it's not going to happen during an election year. Definitely not. Definitely not. We have penmanship making a comeback. We're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about a capitulation, capitulation moment, possibly, maybe, in China. New information out tonight. Again, there was, let's see what it was that it was exactly tonight. It was something about, let's see, China's manufacturing activity shrank by a for the fourth straight month in January. So that's not good. They're in a recession or at least close to. Well, not recession, more a manufacturing recession. don't know recession. what you call it over there. It's ugly. It's so ugly, it makes you want to think about buying something. It's so ugly that the sentiment has turned so negative you wonder maybe it's maybe just maybe it's time to do something. That's often who was it? Buffett. Somebody said, "Buy when there's blood in the streets." If nothing else, there's 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 definitely problems there. And we have the potential for a war brewing. President Biden came out today and said, "No, we know what we're going to do in response to the killings of Americans. We don't want to." Which I don't. I never got the result of that. I just got that part that he knows what he wants to do, and that the secondary point was that he doesn't want to get any more embroiled in a war in the Middle East, dragged into. Did you hear what was going on? I couldn't figure it out. I can't figure it out. He, can't, he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't, doesn't, ugh, doesn't have any idea. Very sad. All right, uh, huge earnings week also. So on top of the fact that we have an enormous... An important week for economic data. Friday is the jobs number. 
the 2 p.m. number from the rate hike decision. The Fed going to come out and try to manipulate, maneuver the markets at 2.30. That's when Fed Chair Powell will begin speaking. We have earnings. Five of the Magnificent Seven, which has now been cut down to the Super Six. I don't know. Maybe eventually, if it gets really bad, it could be the Fab Five, maybe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but right now, they're coming out. We saw tonight numbers from Microsoft, and we saw numbers from Google. I think we also have Apple and Amazon and one other. I don't remember which one. Tesla came out already. Uh, Netflix came out already. Who am I missing? What tech am I missing? Google, Microsoft, Amazon, Apple, NVIDIA. I don't think NVIDIA. So we have five of the six coming out this week. I don't remember which ones. Oh, I guess we had Tesla. Tesla got shot up up pretty bad. Uh, And it's only Tuesday. Uh, What else do we got? Uh, We're okay. So here's a question I have for you. There was a major deal in the podcast space. Seems that Sirius XM Holdings, everybody seems to want to get into the podcast area. They've acquired certain exclusive rights to Smartless, the hit podcast hosted by actors Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, and Sean Hayes. $100 million three-year deal, which breaks down to $33 million a year, which breaks down to $11 million a year per person. For each guy. Minus what their manager takes and all that. They'll yeah. let, you know, still they'll get a good, you know. They'll get more than a few mil. Yeah. It is amazing to me what these companies, how they'll lay out money for, for these things. I mean. Yeah, after already throwing a bunch of money away on Gimlet and other ideas that, did, uh, did, that didn't pan out. Didn't, uh, didn't they learn from Spotify? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I always, yeah. Well, it's easy to mix the two up now. Now that they've done this thing, Sirius XM, I don't know what the point is. It's a radio operation. It's amazing. I mean, it's that, that. But did they throw out a bunch of money at, uh, at what's his name? The uh, radio shock. No, no, Sirius. The shock jock. uh, Howard Stern. Howard Stern. Oh, enormous amounts of money. Enormous. I mean, he owned half the company, it seemed. Right. In fact, Maybe he does. Oh, he he was big. He, he he was the original. He was the original one they brought on as a big deal. Yeah. I, I thought it was pretty amazing that they throw this kind of money. And, you know, when you look at the the world of podcasting, how basically podcasters put their product online for free, generally speaking, right? And the podcast host or, or not host the uh the 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 application doesn't pay for it and they can still do insertions and get money from it or it brings just more awareness to the platform and the podcasters doing their own advertising and getting their own deals yeah it's very strange don't you think well, I, I don't understand the rationale for, I mean, of all the podcasts out there, there's a ton of them. Uh, what makes this one so special? For that kind of money, I have no idea. 
So yeah, you, you won't be able to answer I'm, that. I'm not going to be able to answer it. Uh, Super Bowl, speaking about a lot of money, tickets, tickets to attend this year's Super Bowl in Las Vegas, which is, I think, what, February 11th? Is that the date? Is that the date? Uh, maybe. Fe- I think February 11th. Uh, which is a rematch between the 2020 contenders are the most expensive ever for this event. Yeah. Do you know what the average price per ticket is? Too high. Yes, too high. I don't know. There must be obviously some very, very expensive tickets and boxes and things like that. But the average ticket, if you go by the historical way of valuing the average ticket, whatever that mathematical process is. Yeah. $9,800. Yeah, that's the average. That's the average. I understand the cheapest cheap, cheap uh, nosebleed ticket is uh, 6500 bucks. I doesn't see. Do you know how many TVs I could I could I could buy for that and and fill a whole entire room and even possibly get one of those? You can also bring a bunch of people over, have it catered, and still save money. Yeah, right. That's correct. I can think of a lot of things to do with a lot of champagne and caviar. Well, a lot of people they have to go to these things. You know, I did go to one Super Bowl. I did go to a Super. And Bowl. how was the experience? It was great. It was just jumping. It was the uh, one of the first uh, 49er Super Bowls. It was the 49ers versus the Dolphins, which I think is the second their second one because they I think their first one was against Cincinnati, and uh, it was at Stanford at the stadium there, the football stadium, and uh, I it was you know it was a it's not as festive as they are today. I don't think no. I think it's Super Bowl twenty or something like along those lines. But I had a pretty decent seat, mid uh, end zone seat, not up at the top, right in the middle. Perfect. I see pretty nice seats. You can really see how the play is developed. So you're going to ask me how much did that ticket yeah, cost? Yeah, how much did that ticket cost you? 100 bucks. Wow. And did it seem like a lot back then? Yeah. Well, it was super expensive. <laughs> It is amazing that we look back that we think about, you know, the old pretzel for a nickel thing, which I get, but how $100 was only not too many years ago. Seemed expensive. No, it's within memory. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is about this ticket, it's not that it's $9,800 a piece on average. What's interesting about this is that the price is 70% more than last year's game. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. The previous record of $7,046 was set in 2021 in Tampa when the game was played off at um, sharply reduced capacity. Because of COVID, I guess. Yeah, COVID. Because yeah, they played two, they probably pay, played in 2020. I think, wasn't that the empty stadium or something? I don't know what happened in 2020. Did they have the bubble? Wasn't there a, it was a bubble, bubble or something? Where they, I don't remember. They were playing and. Everybody was testing. All I know is these prices are too high, but, you know, it's it's, it's whatever the market will bear. They've decided, hell, you know, if people are going to, they're going to fill it up. If you have people willing to pay it, they're going to keep on getting these prices. I mean, it's it's as simple as that. Yeah. Rake high probabilities. We have a nice chart over on uh, dhunplug.com, episode Number, what episode are we on? 688. So go over to the show notes for that. The, the, the first move from October 23, when we think about rate 
cuts. There was this hope and love of Fed rate cuts, and all this was going to be wonderful, and we were going to have March. And then we had, on top of that, the AI rager, as I'm calling it, that helps support bull markets, where we're seeing just... Today was an interesting day because it was the, I think, the propulsion. NVIDIA, was NVIDIA up today? You know, I got to look at that. It's been like up forever. It doesn't go down. It doesn't go down. It just doesn't know how to go down. It's going to go down eventually. Tomorrow it's going to go down. I know that for a fact. NVIDIA was up. Yeah, it was up uh, three bucks. After hours, it's down 11. Tomorrow's going to be an ugly day for tech. But, uh... But why, why is tomorrow going to be an ugly no. day for tech? We could talk about this if you want. We have Microsoft earnings that came out. They were okay. They were just in line. They definitely did good on their Azure. Um, let me tell you exactly what's going on. Oh, Meta. That's the one I missed. Uh, Microsoft expected to report. Did Meta hit 400? Did it hit 400 yet? Let's see. I think it just did. It, it was definitely doing well. It's going to be down tomorrow. Meta is 400.06 on close. There you go. 392 after hours. Yeah, I had a big bet with Adam about this some about a few just a few months ago. About Meta? Yeah. And you were betting for the bullish side. Yeah, I was betting it's going to hit 400 and he says no way it's ever going to hit 400. I'll bet you $5,000 he says. And well, I bet him 500. I wasn't going to bet 5,000. If you bet somebody 5 here's a tip for people who like to do betting. Don't bet with someone who is going to bet five because they never, you're never going to get paid. Oh, the old, I'll, I'll bet you a million dollars. Yeah. That kind of thing. Do you know how much money my and wife so, owes me? It's unbelievable. So, so take a reasonable bet yeah, that they might pay and make that, make that the bet. That's smart. Another Dvorakism. <laughs> Very nice. But Bring Microsoft did, uh, they did have revenues that were six for the quarter. Now remember, put this into, proper perspective because we're talking about quarterly revenue, one quarter of revenue. Most people are excited if they make $25,000 as a business for a quarter, right? Yeah. Microsoft's quarter two revenue is 62 billion. Yeah. Seems like an excess amount of money. If you ask me, <laughs> it would, you, it takes teams to just count those dollar bills as they come in. I mean, do you know how many people they employ just to count their money? Lots. A 16% increase over last year, same quarter last year, surpassing the estimate of $61.14 billion. There was an estimate that will do about $15.8 billion. Earnings per share reported at $2.93, $2.93, beating the consensus by $0.16. Cents. You know, the big thing is the revenue. That's important because they can, revenue is, is, is transparent. You know, like this is how much stuff people are buying. So that was good. Stock was down a little bit after hours. Why? Um, well, because the stock has been up nonstop also. You know, Microsoft is now yeah, the number one right. biggest company in the world. Yeah, surpassed uh, Apple. Apple held it from 2011. And just a few weeks ago, Microsoft took the place. Now, Google came out with earnings as well. The uh, company achieved year-over-year revenue increase of about 13.5%, reaching $86 billion for the quarter. Microsoft is 60, $62 billion, and Google does $86 billion. Google ad revenue reported $65.52 billion in revenue. Again, just comparatively, Microsoft, the entire company, did $62 billion. 
So Google did 65 billion in advertising. Think about that. We make the internet. It's a wonderful thing for all sorts of, and then it gets, of course, adized, right? You know, you got to make money off the damn thing. That's the whole point of everything in life, right? Whether it's weight loss, whether it's insurance because you scare people that they need to buy insurance, or whether it's you have this wonderful thing in a search engine, and oh my God, think about all the revenue you can make. And God bless all of them. <laughs> Seriously, right? Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah. So, but we have to figure a way to make money off of every single thing that we do, which again, I'm not, I'm a capitalist, um, an investment advisor, so I'm all good with it. But, you know, if you step back for a second and think about it, it's like, yeah, well, that's how the world works, I guess. Nothing is done altruistically at all. Um, so they surpassed expectations there, but... The advertising revenue, so in total totality, they 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 surpassed. Their advertising revenue fell short. It was an eleven percent year-over-year growth, but the expectations were for a, bu a bunch more. Stock down four percent after hours. Now we continue on from the old Super Seven or what was it called? What, what, what the Magnificent Seven? Uh, yeah, you keep changing it. Well, it's, it's Super Six now, and it was Magnificent Seven then. Tesla comes out with earnings. Can I just say in one word, horrible, terrible, like really like, ew, that was bad. Earnings per share was 71 cents adjusted versus 74 cents expected. That's bad. Revenue was 25 billion versus uh, 25.17 billion uh, as opposed to 25.6 billion expected. This is the problem though. It's okay if you come close with earnings and revenue, I have no problem with that. A little bit here, a little bit there, it's better to beat, right? We know that companies can do all sorts of funny things. Yeah, and they can change, make that number different. Right. So so, so missing is not good. But okay, let's say that we can give them a pass on that for whatever reason. Here's where the problem comes in with Tesla. Oper operating margin. So during the quarter, the margin, which we all thought was going to be a problem due to the Drop in overall pricing. Remember how they've been dropping pricing all over the place? To try yes, to they've been uh, discounting. Yep. So so they 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 made their revenue at the, and, and they sacrificed their margin. So last year, the same quarter, the margin was 16%. And now we're at 8.2. Mm. So... They also mentioned that their vehicle volume growth in 2024 may be notably lower than last year's growth. Stock was down 14% on the news. Stock market cap, listen to this. I did a little research, I went back. The market cap, the total value of Tesla is down since the purchase of Twitter in 2022 by 40%. And he lost a case tonight that is going to, well, he's going to keep fighting it. Disallow uh, him to get this like $56 billion compensation package. What? In what? From who? From Tesla. There was a compensation package that was done some time ago. Let's see if I can find the story. He couldn't get it out of there? So I guess what happened is... Oh, I, yes. I, yeah, I've tried to follow this. It was impossible. Elon Musk... Okay, Elon Musk's $56 billion Tesla compensation voided 
by judge. So a Delaware judge avoided the $56 billion compensation package. The pay package of Tesla Grand Domestic in 2018, remember that? Everybody was like, wow, that's a lot, uh, was the largest compensation plan in public corporate history. No kidding. Uh, Tesla's share price slid 3% on this news. I don't understand. You'd think it would have gone up, but oh, whatever. The plaintiff is entitled to rescission. The ruling, it was inappropriately set by Tesla's board. We know that the board was handpicked by Elon. We know that it was people in there that were pretty much bought and sold. And they approved this compensation package. And it was it was a far reach to get there. If you remember back when, when it was created, it's like, oh, that's never going to, oh, you know what? If he gets there, let him have it. It was all about the price of Tesla and, and, right. and it was a market capital. It was a complex formula. But it was all about the value of the stock. And he got there, which therefore was good for the shareholders. So God bless him, let him take the money. So now he was sued, saying there was a breach of whatever. And uh, no, you can't have the money. Now, if he can't have that money, and, and if nothing else, I mean, I'm sure he got it. So he has to repay it? So he's got to repay it now? We're not talking about like, you know, ah, uh, you know, send me a thousand dollars plus penalties. Fifty-six billion. Yeah. It's funny. Imagine just calling his banker. Uh, hey, Johnny, need to, need to cut me a little check. You know, make it payable back to Tesla. Well, I was unaware of the fact that he already extracted the money. Well, it was 2018. He got the money. Oh, he got the money then. I think he got the money in 2000. That's when I think he got the money. Let's see. Or was it a promissory note then? Voided the pay package, ruling that the company's board of directors failed to prove that he compensated plan was fair. Tesla's price slid. Uh, Musk can appeal it, of course. The pay package granted in 2000. It was the large compensation package. Made Tesla and SpaceX boss a centibillionaire. That plan offered Musk the chance to secure 12 tranches of Tesla options which would vest if the company's market cap. Well, we knew that. That's what happened. Uh, in the final analysis, Musk launched. That was a lot here. A lot here. A lot here. I don't know. It doesn't say. Oh, now he's bitching. Uh, I don't know. I don't see it. I can't. I don't know. Maybe that was the reason why you want to get 25% of the company now. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, there's a chart a little bit higher about the probability of rate cuts. You asked me about this, of what's going to happen. You can see that the range between the uh, Fed, Fed, the Fed funds rates, the Bank of England, and the ECB, the chance of rate cuts back in December were really high. 90% probability that we'd see a rate cut by March. That was in December. Now it's, yeah. down, now it's down to a 48%. Yeah, drop like a rock. 10% for the BOE, 17% yeah. for the ECB, which I think is really interesting. Why? Let me go from 60 to 10. Because, I mean, we saw the numbers out of out of Europe that are pretty crappy. Um, and in Germany, which is just on the edge of recession, as of the It's on the edge today. of bankruptcy. Well, I have that too. Countries are wreck. All right, let's see what we have more. AMD reported this evening. Remember, I'm short that for the game, right? Company. So, yeah, you had it shorted. 
Yep, the company met expectations but guided down. So not only did the company not have a blowout number like SMCI that came out last night or some of these other, like NVIDIA that came out a few weeks ago or, um, you know, all, or whatever the ex exactly NVIDIA came out, you know, AMD was like, oh, AMD is going to be the uh, second to NVIDIA. And AMD came out with all this fanfare and a recent speech. And the CEO comes out and says, you know, we're going to be working on, of course, the AI, the artificial intelligence GPUs, and we're going to be uh, in service. We're going to be doing all this and this promise and this hope. And the stock goes from like 95 to 180. Yeah. On the hope and the promise that maybe someday, possibly, if in fact it happens and everything just works out fine, that yes, it seems like we could have a chip. <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm befuddled by the stock price skyrocketing like that. I don't believe anybody's on the inside that knows anything. Well, the, the, every analyst that you talk to has this whole notion, the belief that in the narrative that was presented by the CEO that there was going to be, you know, this real big move into uh, AI stuff. You know, yeah. A few different things. Server-based, GPUs, um, you know, all this. So the stock was the only contender and everybody was starting to price it. Now, trailing 12-month PE was like 1,700. Uh, forward PE, considering what is expected, is only about 45 or 50. So that's not terrible. If, in fact, this company is going to be growing substantially, and they could grow in, you can grow into a 45 or a 50. It'd be very difficult to grow into a 1700. Yeah, it, it's possible. And not for any company, company that is that old. This is not a, you know, a startup that's shaken the foundations of the business. Right. They're big. They're big and they can make things happen. But, you know, there was also the, the question I always had of, Let's say that when they, is Intel going to come out with some sort of a Intel? Bogus they've been they've been too. They've been you know talking about all this. Intel came out with with numbers last week that was very disappointing. But the fascinating thing I, that I that I questioned the whole time was the notion that AMD just because they I'll give you an example. Hey John, I'm going to be coming out with a new AI GPU chip in the next three years. Okay. Is, is, that's all I have, is that all I have to say? How do I know I, if the- if, What it seems like. How do I know if the actual processing capabilities, the design mechanism is going to be as good as NVIDIA's or even close? Just because I say I have chicken parmesan on the menu doesn't mean it's good. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So the company is up, 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 up. It comes in. But the thing that happened here was really interesting. Not only did they uh, just meet expectations and do okay, they guided down. <laughs> yeah. So that's funny. Now, there's so going to you'd be, think you, you would think that they would be going to be guiding higher or at least, you know, a lot more fanfare. The question is going to be, though, what does the average investor or even the institutions buy from this? Do they say, you know, okay, it's right now they're putting a lot of money in, you know, you can make these excuses, a lot of money in R&D, and uh, they're really focusing on this, so they're taking their eye off the other one. They're sacrificing these sales for this in order to be, in two years, the second, which may have a 
25% market share. That is the estimated number right now on these uh, AI GPU chips, units. Uh, that NVIDIA will have a 75% share, give or take. Uh, in, uh, AMD will have about 25%. And they, they carve it all up and say with a margin of error of 3%, that goes to other players. Stock's down 10% after hours. You're going to see some chip companies down tomorrow. That's why NVIDIA is down a bit. Uh, people are now all of a sudden scratching their head saying, hmm, you know, is there more to this story that uh, isn't all just, you know, fun and, fun and, uh, you know, and, and cherry on top? And, and, and as we get into that, there's the new commentary that's coming out with tech layoffs. You've been seeing the news headlines on this. Well, that's been going on at least around here for quite some time. Like months on end. Months. Silicon Valley's tech companies are slashing headcount at the rapidest, uh, one of the rap most rapid paces in a very long time. Since the start of January, 23,670 workers have been told, you're out of here. You're laid off from 85 tech companies. Yeah, they're all doing it. Some are laying off uh, staff um, of the business to invest more heavily in developing AI products. Of course, that's how they get the big wink and nod. You're, uh, so back in the old days, back to when you were watching the Super Bowl for 100 bucks, when companies started laying off, was that a good sign or a bad sign? Well, back in the old days, when you can get a Super Bowl ticket for 100 bucks, it was a bad sign. Bad sign. Yeah. Today? Always. Today? It's a good sign. It's a good sign. Companies are being more diligent about their expenses. Everybody assumes nowadays that you always, over, especially in high tech, you always overhire uh, because just in case. And then when things don't turn out in the most optimistic way, you take a look at your books and you get rid of as many people as you can to make the books look better because mm -hmm. you're not, you don't need these people. Most of the people are laying off. They don't need them. They didn't need it when they hired them. Yeah, they were just they were just hiring. Yeah, and then maybe some of the cream of the crop came to the top, and the rest yeah. curdled out. But they take it as a one times charge because they have to put you know various um, severance packages together for these employees, and of course they also have to hire firms. You know, one of the things that <laughs> one of the things that these major firms do is they have specialty firms that deal with the layoffs and then dealing with the people after the fact and helping them through the process, maybe of rewriting their resumes. Yeah. Signing on maybe. to get their insurance, right? All the things they have services that do this, that the company pays for. Yeah. Again, back in the day when you were fired, did anybody help you? No. Anybody you cry? Out. Did they say, Listen, you know, we're going to give you a severance well, there package. There were other jobs available. You didn't have to, you didn't need all this fine tuning. I mean, back in the day when Super Bowl ticket was a hundred bucks, if you got fired, you get a job like within a week. Within a week? You didn't need all this rigmarole. You didn't need all this help. Uh, people are helpless these days. China, the Securities Regulatory Commission has said that investors would, will no longer be able to lend out shares for trading purposes for a set period of time. In other words, they got a short selling ban going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
which never seemed to work. We always know how that works out. Yeah, spooks investors. Once you start creating capital controls of sorts, uh, bending the market rules to try to stop something, it's always a bad sign. It's always gone too far already. Regulators said the change, which comes in force this Monday, a couple days ago, is, is about creating a fairer market order. Again, I'm going to stress something that I think maybe once every two years I, I say. Just hold on to your hats. Anybody that's listening is about to freak out. Short selling, short sellers are good for the market. Let me explain. Without short sellers, when stocks are going down, who is going to be the buyer when things all of a sudden start turning and stabilizing? In other words, when most of the selling is exhausted and nobody wants to buy, oftentimes the first to step in are the short sellers to cover their positions and collect their profits. In doing so, they have to start buying stock. And usually that those stock buying happens and what's known as a short squeeze ensues. And when you have the short squeeze, what happens is that stocks start moving back up and you then all of a sudden gather some steam and the buyers step in once again. But oftentimes it's at the bottom that the short sellers are, are actually stabilizing markets. Thoughts? I've, I've always agreed with this thesis. It makes nothing but sense to me. And I don't understand why they keep trying to do this. And what's the point? The point is they think they could make this happen. So they're going to be putting more restrictions on securities lending. Um, also in the refinance market, especially uh, they're, they're trying to uh, prop this up with their sovereign wealth fund. The sovereign wealth fund is $1.2 trillion and is purchasing exchange traded funds on the open market. Well, that's using your leverage. Yep. <laughs> and then there was another thing that happened that, uh, and, and and what triggered this really is what this, what, what happened here. Why would what, you do anything on the open market if you have that much money? It's a, it's a sign of solidarity. It's a sign of support. The idea is that you go out and you start supporting stocks that people will follow. So far, not happening. Especially because just a couple of days after a court in Hong Kong ordered the winding up of Evergrande uh, Corporation, which is the, um, the, the massively large developer yeah. that obviously built too many ghost cities and investor confidence dropped. People are no longer buying in houses for investments. They, there was a mortgage. Remember there was a mortgage strike, a mortgage payment strike? This, yeah. this this killed this company. Now the company's totally uh, bankrupt. And you have to yeah, wonder. No, it's gone. It's gone. Yep. You have to wonder, is this is this is this the moment when there's all this panic where you have all of a sudden and finally thrown in the towel in um in in, in the regard for, for Evergrande Corp. Or, or maybe there'll be more of them. It is the idea that the government is stopping short selling. Are we getting closer to the bottom? I don't know. Five-year low on the China shares. Mm. Five-year. That would yeah, take us back. 
Well, take us back to what, 2018? Yeah, pre-COVID. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Pre-COVID. There is some other good news out there. And, and it could be because of this weird reopening trade that happened. Whereas most companies reopened and China didn't. Remember how stubborn they were? Mm-hmm. And then they reopen, and everybody's like, oh, thanks. But you know what? We're shopping over there now. We got we figured out how to get our supplies from Vietnam, the Philippines, uh, South Korea, um, Indonesia, wherever it is. They figured out how to do it, and then just, you know, we can get a little bit cheaper. We didn't want to do it because of logistics. Then we were forced to do it. So we figured that all out. And Vietnam is one of the beneficiaries of this. Their exports climbed the fastest pace in more than two years in January. This is this is attributable supposedly to a weaker uh, year ago showing than a, a return of global demand. So they said, that, you know, well, it did grow dramatically. It's because last year was weak, but still it is growing. Whereas we just talked about that manufacturing is actually slipping in China. So the value of overseas shipments increased 42% from year earlier, official data showed, compared with the median estimate for a 31% increase in the Bluebird survey. Imports rose 33%, while the trade surplus widened to $2.9 billion. $2.9 billion, just a little bit with a B. Like, it's like saying, you know, 50 cent. Yeah. And what is that? $2.9 billion. Not a big deal. Give me a trillion. What's after trillion anyway? Six billion or something? What, a half a trillion? What's after trillions? What? Half a trillion would be 500 billion. What is after trillions? Oh, a uh, pentillion, isn't it? Or a quadrillion. I think it's quadrillion, right? So, yeah, it's know. a quadrillion. And I don't know. Let's, we can look it up. See, uh, a, a, a million, a billion, a trillion, a quadrillion, a quintillion, and quintillion. a six, six. Ooh, look at that one. A sextillion. Septillion, yeah. Sextillion. That's got a, ooh, that's a lot of zeros. A lot of zeros. So many zeros. I thought a trillion looked big. A quadrillion's pretty big. Oh, I understand. Oh, I never looked, I never thought of this. I'm an idiot. What? It's it's right there. It's obvious. Billion is a bi-lion. A trillion is a tri-lion. Right? Did you ever think of it that way? What's well, a million? I don't know what the whole million thing is. M I. That one's that one's uh, that one. I wouldn't want to go there. But all these are illions with the appropriate multiplier in front of it. Did you know that? Well, I. Did you ever think of that? I, I think I did. I never thought of that. I never thought trillion was a tri-million or a trillion, whatever. Hmm. Something you it's learn. A trillion. It's a tri-illion. Yeah, it's how many aliens you got. I got try. There's an Abbott Costello, something going on there. All right, here's important news. For those of you that are still hearkening back to the days when John was paying $100 for the Super Bowl, something else was going on back then. Kids actually were required to learn how to write. One yeah. of the three R's, Right. Yeah, reading, writing, arithmetic. Yeah, what is it now? It's it's. I think grammar wasn't part of the whole thing. No, grammar definitely arithmetic. was not part of it. <laughs> it was today is is 
I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the R's are. It's just gender studies. Oh yeah, <laughs> coding. The, the coding. top of the list. Coding yeah. and gaming. Coding. So, yeah. Starting this year in your state, California, grade school grade school students are going to be required to learn cursive handwriting. We used to call it longhand when I was a kid. Was what was what was the other kind of handwriting? Well, there was longhand and there was block letters. I mean, I don't know, just printing. I don't know what you'd call it, the other stuff. So we had... We wrote, everything was done in, in longhand. You wrote everything. So... You wrote your papers. So wrote, what is cursive? Is cursive... Cursive is longhand. It's just a new word for it. I don't know why they changed it. What's the difference between cursive and script? Uh, I don't know if there is a difference. Let's see what cursive is. I got to look this up. Cursive letters. Yeah, it's script. Cursive is script. All right. Well, what's longhand then? I don't know if this is, is a script. Yeah, cursive alphabet. Yeah. Yeah, cursive is script. And then, what did you say? Longhand? Let's see. Longhand letters. Yeah, it's script. Yeah, it's all the same. What letters refer to? Long, it's a jointed or flowing letters. So you, they, they connect, same, it's cursive, script, longhand, all the same. Yeah. But what's the one that's not? It's just regular letters. It's just. Block yeah. letters. Oh, block letters? Or printing. Blockhand letters? Let's see. Yeah. Block you- lettering is phrase you any style of writing that is done by hand, intention, neatness, and consistency from letter to letter. Yeah, that would be. So point I mean, is uh, they're going to learn how to do script or cursive handwriting. Which is, I don't know why they stopped teaching it. I I don't know. Uh, I mean, what, what, when did that start? All I know is you have two things. Kids can't read longhand or cursive, and they can't read a clock. Unless it's digital. Right. Yeah. So it just says what the time is. Assembly Bill 446. Sponsored by the former elementary school teacher Sharon Quark Silver and signed into law in October, requires handwriting instructions for the 2.6 million Californians in grades one to six. Cursive lessons for the appropriate grade levels, generally considered to be third grade and above. Yeah, what is the uh, rationale for this change? I, I think there's a, a, a reality that kids don't know how to write. <laughs> they don't. No, and, and then I think you could bring up the idea that, well, you don't need to write because you have a keyboard. That's, you use a keyboard. But sometimes you can utilize writing as another way of communication in order to put it on a keyboard that it will then translate it into type. Well, I don't know what the, what the rationale for all this is, but Do you think it's, it's necessary? Overdue. What? Do you think it's necessary? Yeah, I do. Oh, me too. All right, moving along very quickly. And, and one of the reasons, I, now I think oh, about it, that yep. there was a report on this. Yes. The problem is, is when they get to the university and they have to start, especially if you're in history or the social sciences, some of these other things, you have to go through documents, old filings, and, and you have to look at like some stuff written in the 1800s to do some research. These kids can't receive, they can't read any of it. They don't yeah, know but, what to look at. I'm going to push back on that. Most of this stuff is going to be scanned in. 
not necessarily scanned and then OCR'd because some of that writing is so hard to, OCR has never to this day gone beyond 95% accuracy. Mm-hmm. And you throw some old manuscript, some Thomas Jefferson, you know, manuscript in front of one of these OCR systems, it's not going to read it. I don't care That's what true. anybody thinks. That's true. That's true. Unless we have AI doing it, of course. AI can yeah, do it'll that. Write, it'll ruin it. Whatever AI, the AI comes up with, it'll AI be inaccurate as you, as we can expect. Everything. It could do everything. It's going to change your life. It's going to change your sleep habits. AI. Personal consumption expenditures. PCE, the Fed's preferred measure, or the Fed's favorite gauge of inflation, which you have to say every time. Every time you say it, PCE, you have to say preferred measure or the Fed's favorite gauge. Just remember that. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's it a requirement. Uh, the core personal consumption expenditures price index for December, which came out last Friday, which is an important gauge for the Federal Reserve. Again, got to throw that in anytime you're talking about this. You got to put a little, you know, a little uh, quotes around it. Increased 0.2% for the month and was up 2.9% on a yearly basis. So including volatile food and energy costs, headline inflation also rose 0.2%. For the month and held steady at 2.6% annually. Consumer spending increased 0.7%. Stronger than the 0.5% estimate, personal income growth edged lower to 0.3%. So we got that happening, which is, I wouldn't say strong, but definitely not weak. More deflationary than not, but still inflation. Let's not fool ourselves. On top of that, we got GDP coming in strong, employment strong, so back to the thing we talked about earlier, when is the Fed going to come in? I, I, I'll give them at least till June. I think rates will rise unless we have some reason to be buying bonds due to a cataclysmic situation in the Middle East or somewhere uh, or just an all out just market correction that people are looking for for cover. But when we think about our GDP, we think about our um, you know, the PCE, the inflation rate, ah, oh, 3%, 4%, 5%, terrible, terrible. Meanwhile, in Turkey, inflation is running at 65% year over year. It's a little high for Turkey. <laughs> Lira hit a new record low against the U.S. dollar. And last week, Central Bank of Turkey hiked key interest rates by another 250 basis points, 2.5% to... You think our Fed funds are restrictive at 5.5%? They're at 45%. You, <laughs> you want to borrow $100,000? You got to pay $45,000 worth of interest before you That'll got- That'll put a crimp on things, that's for sure. Before you get any principal paid off. You think our credit cards are high here at 29%? Bargain. It's a Bargain. And we have like five or six more things to talk about, but I want to talk about something first. Uh, medical funding. This I'll, I'll save some of this for next week. There's some really good stuff in here about China's medical funding that is weird. Amazon scrapping the iRobot, Boeing, um, Alzheimer's disease that now can be, uh, I guess it can, it's contagious. Alzheimer's is contagious. I don't know how they got to that. It's, it's a long way. But- uh, one of the things that happened yesterday, someone in my office was mentioning, hey, uh, what's going on? Like, what's your take on this, Andrew? And, on what? On the markets. On, on why is everything, why, why is this going up? 
up and up and up and up and up. I think the whole year is going to go up. Well, uh, I said, you know, this has a look and feel over the last few months to me of a major sovereign wealth fund buying shares without a care about losses that just needs to add to their portfolio. Uh, that is one it's a good an explanation as any. It's it's kind it's of definitely a, out of condition. It's ridiculous. Right. I've been doing this a long time. And just when you see that under no circumstance can something go down, even when it is down, you know, it's down and it doesn't stay there at all. Four days in a row, it's down 4%. And by the end of the day, it's flatter up. Now, I'm not saying it's not a good idea to play that. Have fun. It's great. However, story comes out today that I read that Norway's $1.6 trillion wealth fund added to its best in the biggest technology companies last year after interest rates, after the interest in, in, in AI uh, drove a surge in the sector. The fund, the world's single biggest owner of publicly listed stocks, raised its holding of Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, and a whole bunch of other big names. It also upped the stake of the world's most valuable chip company, NVIDIA, and Taiwan Semiconductor. So, case closed. When things, what goes up must come down. And they don't care. countries with them. Yeah, they won't sell. They have an edict um, of, of, of what they can do and, and how much losses they can take. But, I mean, a sovereign wealth fund, 50% of this sovereign wealth fund is in U.S. stocks. And can you imagine when they have to sell and dump the entire fund on know, the market? If they ever did, it would be very... Catastrophic. Yeah, I would think. If they have uh, these rules where they have to sell under some circumstance, because they do operate under the rules-based investing, mm -hmm. which is what we do with our game, Yep. Uh, they could be in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. But this, this, is, this is where I peg this and other ones are just massively investing. So you have those that are investing, and then you have all the stock buybacks that are going on. By the way, uh, side note, New news out, Walmart is doing a three-for-one split for no apparent reason. No, there's a reason. Yeah, Jacks up the price of the stock. Yeah. Uh, finally, two things. Number one, before we get to the game, mentioning that uh, donations are accepted, appreciated, desired, needed, and uh, really uh, appreciated. So go over to dhplug.com, hit one of the buttons. If you don't do so and you haven't done... Uh, a donation before because, you know, maybe you, you just haven't got around to it. Um, here's my thoughts on this. It's time. Go do it. Thank you. Now, finally, we're announcing the continuation of the Close to the Pin for Spirit Airlines. It's going to be closing down this coming Friday. So if you haven't gotten your price guess in yet, go over to dhmplug.com and put that in. Now we're going to get to the game. Here we go, John. This is a game that we play. It's not a solicitation to buy or sell any security. It's not a recommendation of any kind. Nothing on the show should be considered investment advice or a recommendation. If you choose to invest in any of the stocks mentioned, you should know that it may carry risk, along with the risk of a loss of principal. You should also seek out professional financial advice for your particular situation. We assume no risk as these are not to be considered recommendations. Horowitz, a company, myself, or John C. Dvorak may invest in any of the securities mentioned, and we'll disclose that on the website under the weekly stock picks section. You can go to dhunplugged.com and see all the names we discussed in the segment, along with the performance information from the date discussed, as well as any additional important disclosures. All right, you take the list.
Well, I'll tell you, this list looks more like a cocktail made with a grenadine and <laughs> uh, cream de menthe. <laughs> it's the Christmas list. It's green at the top for uh, the whole since 2022, all the way green, all the way to 12, 20, 2020. Well, actually, 12, 13, 2023. Then when Christmas shows up, we have been in the red on every pick. Uh, and that includes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight picks in a row. This will turn around, of course. Uh, but it's not turning. And one of them is borderline your AMD uh, short. Oh, just wait till tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> tomorrow it's down we'll 10 per- 10%. Yeah. So that'll, that'll start to move. So uh, the, the, this will straighten itself out. These are just uh, ahead of their time picks the way I see it. What do you ah, got anything? Yeah. Early. The winner on there is still Toast Inc., 30% up. Uh Food tech, your your pick. Mm-hmm. So, do you have anything for this week? Do I have anything for this week? I do not. I do. What do you have? I'm going to invest in ten cent. Oh, what's what's the symbol on that? Well, so what symbol do you want? And there's a lot. That's what uh, I'm asking. Well, let's go with this one, which is T C E H, or is it? T-E-C-E-N-Y, which uh, I believe is on the work. pinks. The nope, pinks. that won't work. Ugh. Let me look it up. Uh, let's see, 10 cent. How about TME? That should well, work. So TME is 10 cent music, though. Oh, no, that's no good. So let me see which one I'm going to look at here. Uh, 10 cent holdings is uh, T-C-E-H-Y. T-C-E-H-Y. That's 10 cent oh, holdings. Yeah, I, just saw, I saw it wrong. Sorry. It is what I have to. It's on the pinks. Let's see here. Control V. Yep. That's coming up. That's good. 34 bucks. Mm-hmm. That's 34 bucks. Yep. Exactly. So let me just look at here. This is 131, 2024. What's the thesis here, sir? I mean, this is one of the number one stocks in China. Yeah. Time to invest in China. China time. Okay, this is JCT pick. Got it. Okay, looks good. All right. I think that's all. Signing all right, off. We'll talk to you next week. All right. February. 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 I'll see you next week. All right, bye. You've been listening in on a conversation with John C. Dvorak and Andrew Horowitz. Hope to be with you again soon. Bye-bye. Now, I'm not broke, but badly bent. I'm not down to my last cent, because I got a dollar, but it's my last dollar bill. <laughs> yes, sir. In my pockets, there's a dent. All my dough is nearly spent, but I got a dollar, and it's my last dollar bill. Oh, I'd love just one more buck fortune left me by chance. Now, here's a hint. I feel like a man. You can hardly tell by a glance. I don't care. No millionaire can give me the ice stack. Because I got a dollar. My last dollar bill. Horowitz Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. 
Registration does not imply any level of skill or training.